Matthew chapter 6. Father, in Jesus' name, open up our hearts. And Lord, we do just open up and offer our heart freely to you, Lord, for you to speak to us. For Lord, I believe that you are speaking. And Lord, I believe that we desire to hear. Let those with ears, let them hear. Those with ears to hear, let us hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Let us hear today in Jesus' name. Amen. I meant to change the title of this. That's not what this is. This is Treasures in Heaven, not loving Jesus with our money. Even though it's similar, um, I just sometimes get in a hurry and don't get every, every slide changed. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Let's just, ha- let's just do this today. Let's stand up. I know you have stood up for a long time. I'm going to have you stand up for about another two more minutes, and let's read this together. You got your Bibles open? Got your... Bible app open. Let's go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where, where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Father, we receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, Sermon on the Mount. Let me reiterate, this is Jesus' teaching. Everybody say amen. Amen. This is the teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's listen. One of the most significant passages in the Bible related to our destiny. But so many times this is overlooked. In this passage, we see how we can put Jesus first in our lives in the realm of finances. And I know we all want to think as Christians, we're here today and yes, Jesus comes first. But does he really? Especially when it comes to our money. Does he really? A few weeks ago, we learned that the Bible tells us that prosperity is a blessing of God and that poverty is a curse. There is no virtue in poverty. But what Jesus taught was on giving with generosity and faith, and that's what he focused on. The definition of prosperity is having enough to meet our needs, to bless others, and to extend the work of the kingdom. But here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us two commandments, one positive and one negative. He starts off with the negative. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Then in verse 20, he gives the positive command. But lay up, I command you, to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then in verse 22, he tells us how to walk this out and how this will literally have impact on your spiritual walk. He says, if your eye is good, If your spiritual eye is good, meaning if you employ verse 20, what was verse 20? If you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. If you employ verse 20, instead of laying up earthly treasures, there will be an increase of light in your spiritual life. Here's the point. Our spiritual capacity is affected by how we walk out these two commandments. 
our spiritual life is affected by how we walk this out. It's really big. I want to ask you a question. Who wants more of God? This is how. It says that our spiritual capacity is going to increase if our investment is in Christ and not in money. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with money. We need money. Who here needs money? I need money. That's not what we're talking about. It's where is your heart? Where is your treasure? What is your treasure? Verse 24 says, make no mistake about it, you can't be loyal to God and money. It will not work. You have to be loyal to one or the other. One of them will have to yield your loyalty to the other. And your loyalty to God or serving God as our master is synonymous in this passage with laying up heavenly treasures. Did you hear me? Being loyal to God and serving God as our master is synonymous with laying up heavenly treasures. And loyalty to mammon or money is synonymous with laying up treasures on earth. All right, are we together so far? Amen. All five of these verses that we just read, verse 19 through 24, run together. They go together. And the reason I say that is so many times we take these scriptures out of context. We take the passage about the good eye and being filled with light. We take it out of the context of laying up heavenly treasure. We want to just think, take our eye and think, I need to be filling my eye up. No, nope. the way that we fill the eye up is with laying up heavenly treasure. Did you catch throughout those five verses all the therefores? This is a scripture that is building on itself. It is not taking a brand new subject and introducing it. Nope, it is taking this subject of laying up earthly treasures and laying up heavenly treasures and talking about how it's going to affect your eyes, your spiritual eye. Do we need to go back and read it? Let's do it. We'll put it all together here. Help me out, Mikey. There we go. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your help me out, Mikey, I'm not pressing the button. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now remember, this is all one thought. Here we come right back to treasures. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Mammon. Do you see the connection from the beginning of verse 19 to the end of verse 24 as he is talking about what comes first? The ability to have a good eye is making sure that God is first. If God is not first, what you are taking into your eye is darkness. Okay, are we okay? All right, verse 24. You can't love them both. What we do with our money expresses our love to God and in that declares the supremacy of Jesus in our life. 
What we do with our money will either strengthen our spiritual life or hurt us. And if you remember, Jesus so many times deals with us watching that we do not allow covetousness to come in. Let's look at a few principles here. Principle number one when it comes to laying up heavenly treasures. Number one, Jesus urges us to use money to express loyal love to God. In verse 24, he says that if God is your primary master, you will be loyal to God and you will show love to God, but that you cannot be loyal to both mammon or money and be loyal to God. But the point I want to make is what we do, Jesus identifies our love to him in terms of what we do with our money. Jesus translates our love for God with what we do with our money. Is our treasure in our money? Where is our treasure? For where our heart goes, so goes our treasure. Our heart, our treasure is in our heart. So one good way, I don't know if you've ever done this. Joe McGee taught on uh, dealing with money finances and write down everything that you ever spend to every stick of gum to everything that you buy to your insurance, to your car, to your gas, to your food, to gum, to coffee, Starbucks, whatever. And you're going to see where your heart is. Because where your money goes, that's where your heart is. It's not going to lie. Right? It's so common for us to identify our love to God or maybe our energy to God in a worship service. Maybe the kind of commitment that we have in outreach or serving someone or evangelism. But some believers never connect what they do with their money as related to how much they love Jesus. Now, does that mean I don't need to pay my insurance bill? No, I need to pay my insurance bill. But you should be able to go and look at mine and Elizabeth's account and be able to see that we love God. Based on what we are not purchasing and based on where we are spending. Now, listen, Jesus didn't preach this message. He, didn't, he, he, preached, he preached messages to hit home. His messages hit home. I know this is uncomfortable. Man, he's talking about whatever I'm spending my money. Now it's making me think, where do I spend my money? I don't know. Maybe I don't really show that I love God. Okay, we're gonna, if we can grab hold of this, you're going to start getting light. You're going to stop getting darkness. You're going to start getting light. And it says our spiritual capacity is going to increase. You know what? Your ability to do a belly flop is going to increase. Hear me now. This is an encouraging word. This is an encouraging word. You're loyal. He says you're loyal to me. Your loyalty to me and love to me is expressed by what you do with your money. You know what God's saying? Money is relational. Money is a relational subject to Jesus. It was something that he took very personal. And what we do with our money, he remembers forever. We can give money in this age, and a million years from now, he'll still remember it. Jesus makes it clear that it's not the size of our giving, but it's the size of our sacrifice and our giving. Luke 21, 1, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For out of these, for all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood 
that she had. In other words, the two mites or the two pennies that she put in was a greater percentage of her resource. It was a greater sacrifice. So what Jesus was pointing out was her love was greater. Her love was greater than the people who gave much more out of their abundance. It did not even affect them. It greatly affected her. She gave out of her love. Principle number two, do not lay up treasures on earth for yourself. Matthew 6, 19. Let's just go back to that. It says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. This is a command to avoid doing something. Don't do this. But it's very natural to do this. And the key is how we interpret the word treasure. The word treasure is an all-inclusive term that includes anything a man thinks of as his wealth, such as his position, his reputation. It includes all that money can buy. Our treasure includes anything we treasure. Our treasure is what we invest our, most of our time, money, and thinking into. Possessions, comfort, reputation, influence, or developing our relationship with Jesus and helping others to do the same. As I'm praying about this this morning, I have to watch what I do with my time. I have, to, I have to watch it because, you know, it's an identifier of who I am and where my heart is. Jesus is saying, watch where your time is going because it may be in the wrong spot. The Lord's trying to help you identify what your problem is. It's like this love and marriage conference is going to try to help you see where your problem is and help you get through it. That's what Jesus' message is here for. I want you to see where the challenges are in your life, and I want to help you avoid them. But if you walk in them and mess up, I want to help you out of them. Right? So I was sitting there thinking, where is my heart right now? And as silly as this may sound, it's in a Rubik's Cube. I've had two days off, and that's all I've done is played with the Rubik's Cube. I'm a nerd. We did the tests at Dave Ramsey. I don't know where Ron and Sarah are, but you have to figure out, are you a nerd or are you a free spirit? Well, I'm a nerd. Hi, I'm Paul Ramsey. I'm a nerd. <laughs> but I never thought I could accomplish it. I had one of Pete's friends came by, and there our, our uh, Rubik's Cube sat un, unsolved, and it had been there that way ever since we bought it. Um, and I could solve one color. And I felt like I really knew something. My kids couldn't solve one color. I could solve one color. Hey, yeah, you really did something. My kids can solve a color, but anyway. He just picked it up. Done. I'm like, that just about makes me mad. And I just said, how do you do it? He said, it's just algorithms. It's just a memorization. It doesn't take some brilliant rocket scientist, which this kid is, but it just takes some memorization. I thought, well, let's go look at YouTube. Went and looked at YouTube. Sure enough, there it is. So, Elizabeth, I am the biggest nerd. I had it printed out. I wrote down the instructions. I had it printed out. First couple times it never would come out, I'd say, it's broken. I broke it apart, put it back together right. Now it's right. Try it again. Couldn't get it. Spent time at my in-laws, zoned out, not entering into conversations with people because I am into this thing. But I got it now. I can do it. Amen. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Now I can have conversation again with you. 
I literally have it sitting on my desk up at the church right now. I got issues. Let me ask you, where's your heart? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your time? You know, I can know where I am in my marriage based on how much I'm spending my time in my marriage. I can know where I am with God when I figure out how much time I'm spending with God, with my kids. What are your priorities? What should your priorities be? And God's saying, I'm going to give you another chance. Get these priorities lined up and put me at the top. How many of you are going after your money like crazy? Now, don't get me wrong. Scripture tells us we're supposed to store up. We're supposed to have an inheritance for our kids. God wants to bless us with stuff. Money's not the problem. The love of money is the problem. Do you have a huge love for money? Well, let me tell you, that is darkness where the moths and the stuff is going to eat it up and it's going to go away. We are to lay up heavenly treasures. God's going to bless us with the stuff. God wants you to have more than enough. He is the God of more than enough. He's not the God of just barely make it. He's the God of more than enough. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. What is the primary dream of your heart? You know, I don't know about you, but what the Lord has been dealing with me through this whole Sermon on the Mount is how much God values relationships. And how we're supposed to get relationship right. And we're the ones that's supposed to give in. And we're the ones that's supposed to be spiritual to help people recover. We're the ones, not the other person. We're the ones to take his word to all the nations. We're the ones that are to take the love of God that's in us and show it to other people. Not them who's hurt you. You. We're the ones who are supposed to recover and restore relationship. And I want you to know it is not easy. And it's painful and it it hurts your pride. I preached a sermon last week about let us do the natural and let God do the supernatural. And it kind of scares me because I had a family come up to me and say, we're going to do it. I'm like, well, let me tell you something. You do the natural, God's going to do the supernatural. The key, though, is don't try to do the supernatural. You can't do the supernatural. You're going to see in two weeks, we're going to start getting into worry. The Sermon on the Mount deals with worry. And let me tell you, hang in there with me because it's going to be good. But you can't affect tomorrow. We can affect today. We, we are given grace for today. And you know, I, I, I'm, I, let, let me go back. I, I want to get into where, where that goes with worry, but I just can't do it. It is so good. I want to ask you something. Um, Jesus dealt so much with covetousness. Do you know what covetousness is? It's, it's wanting things so much that it drives you to control and to manipulate and to do things that you shouldn't do. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you went to all means in order to get it? You see something that someone else has and you, you desire, you yearn, you burn for that. 
to the point that it overtakes your thinking. It overtakes your direction. Have you ever done that? I've done it. Jesus is saying, don't go there. And I want to ask you something. If Jesus dealt with that so much, do you think that maybe there might be a possibility that you might have a few little pockets of covetousness in your heart? It's so easy to sit here and say, nope, that's not me. That's a good word. Man, he's really preaching it. Boy, they, they sure do need this word. I know some people that needs that word. No, no, no. I want to ask you, would you consider to just say, okay, Jesus taught on this. Lord, let me try my best to come clean for just a minute and just give a shot, give a, give a chance to say, okay, maybe I do. Lord, show me. Because you know if you ask him, do I have a few pockets of covetousness in my heart? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to tell you. And he is dying. He's not dying. Jesus Christ died for you so that you wouldn't have to live under that kind of torture. He paid the price for you. The Holy Spirit can't wait to help you. He can't wait to help you. Would you consider, maybe this might be your belly flop. Okay, pastor, I don't think I do, but let's just ask the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, do I have any issues of covetousness in my heart? If I do, I just ask you to show me now or as I walk out my day today. Lord, show me really where my heart is. Because I don't want to play a game. I don't want to go into church and act like I got it all together. Or, or you know what? I may even think I do have it all together. But Lord, I offer you my heart and just say, go ahead and show me. Luke 12, verse 15. says, beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. He spoke a parable, this verse 16, then go to verse 20. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Can you see how important it is that we lay up the right treasure? Beware of covetousness. He calls the man in the parable a fool who spends all of his time and money trying to increase earthly treasure. Mark 4 verse 18. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Have you ever noticed that you get a good word in church, but that by the time you get home, you're already covered up by all your stuff that you got going on? The things of the world choke the word. It's time for you to reverse that thinking. The word comes first. We don't dismiss the word. We hang into the word. And if the word isn't taking great effect, then we need to change our soul. The problem's not with the word and the problem's not with God. The problem's with us. I hope that I will be the first to say I am in great need of God's move in my life consistently, constantly, at all times. The times I get in trouble is when I think I've got it together. Covetousness or the deceitfulness of riches, the same thing, chokes our spiritual life. It diminishes our spiritual capacity. The way it chokes us isn't just focusing on getting more. It's the negative emotions that goes with being threatened or by our finances being delayed. Have you ever had something to delay your pay and the anxiety and the fear and the bitterness that comes when, when that happens? Anybody ever felt that before? 
Mark 7, 21 says, From within, our heart of, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness. These evil things defile a man. Covetousness defiles the spiritual life. Many people complain that their spiritual life is dull, but they don't link their spiritual dullness to the things that are being described here in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Our spiritual dullness, listen to me, is not just the devil attacking us. There are things that we have to do to fight off a dull spirit. This here in Matthew chapter 6 talks about how to have light, how to have light in our spirit and our spiritual capacity to increase. It's done by the things that we do. We do things, things happen in our life. God is a God who lays things out before us and we get to walk through them. Do you know the, the farmer has to sow the seed? God does not sow the seed. Any of you ever reaped a harvest of your, of your garden where you didn't sow the seed? No, you've got to sow the seed. But you know, even with all the work that the farmer does, the farmer can never bring life into that seed. One of the greatest things in this world is that all my efforts don't compare at all to how great God's part is. But God still needs my part. I've got to sow the seed. My part is a part of the plan. I have a part to play in relationships. Do you know if I've got a problem with you in relationships, I don't just show up and pray, God, do something in, in, in Robert and just make sure that he's okay with me. No, God says, no, no, no. I've given you the keys on how to work through relationship. You go walk through those and I'll kick in and I'll make sure that you get this thing worked out. But if you don't, it's not going to work out. I've got to go sow the seed. There are things that we do that result in a dull spirit. I'm going to close with this scripture right here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many fools, foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Do you know poor, pe poor people desire to be rich as much as rich people? So many times the poor like to just lay all these scriptures here on the rich. No, no, no. Poor and rich alike want to be rich. We all struggle with this love for money. He's talking to the whole body of Christ. They fall into a temptation and a snare. You know what a snare is? A snare is a trap. Set out and hidden in disguise to catch an animal. And the animal doesn't step into it on purpose. They don't, they don't, see, they don't see the snare and say, Oh, you know what? My foot's supposed to go in that. Let's stick it in that. Nope, they don't see it. No animal walks into a snare on purpose. That's the way covetousness is. It traps our heart. And do you know how it traps us? With fear and anxiety and revenge and bitterness and dread. And it captures our heart like a snare.
And it throws us into foolish and harmful lust. And it drowns man in destruction. We know the money. Money is not the root of the evil. It's the love of money. But the love of money is so subtle. It's so much more subtle than we understand it to be. And you know it has all kinds of roots. It makes manipulating, manipulative, controlling, fearful, revengeful, revengeful, envious, jealousy. It brings all these things into our heart. And all of these negative roots capture our heart. He said when covetousness begins to work in believers, they stray from the faith. I'm going to close there. We're certainly not done. But all I want to ask you, if you would just bow your heads for just a moment, we're going to take communion together. But before we do that, I just want you to close your eyes with me and just say, Lord, do I have any little uh, pockets of covetousness in my heart? Your words told us today, Lord, that it'll bring darkness into our life, that it brings a snare into our life, that it hinders us. And it hinders us in so many different ways. Father, show me my heart. I want, to, I want you to be master of my life. Not money. Not things. Church, I know it comes at great cost. I know it, I know it costs you something. But would you risk a belly flop? Would you risk giving the Lord your heart? Maybe you've never given your heart that first time. You've never said, Pastor, I've given my heart to the Lord. Pastor, I've made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Scripture says that if we will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we would believe in our heart If we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. Do you know that's all it takes? But it's not an easy, it's not a small decision. It's a big decision. It's your heart. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Would you do that right where you sit? Just out of your own mouth, I confess you, Jesus, as Lord of my life. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I give you my heart. Did you do that? And maybe you're here and you've given your heart to the Lord, but you have let these little pockets of covetousness, you've let these little pockets of moving away from God being your master, would you consider moving back? The Father is waiting with His arms wide open, ready to receive you back. The Lord is saying to your heart, you've allowed darkness in. The Lord is saying, I want to do heart surgery on you today and I want to put back in light. We receive your light this morning, Jesus.
just take a moment. Take a moment for repentance. Take a moment to come clean of your sin. I'm going to ask Robert Owens to come up and lead us into lead us in communion. But as he's coming up, I just ask you to take a moment and pray and come clean before the Lord.